Pastor Jeff asked if I would uh, fill in this morning, and I said, sure. He's, as I understand it, in Port Allsworth, um, the Family Bible Conference there, I'm preaching. You might uh, remember to pray for him and that the Lord will uh, reap his harvest and work there. It's always a pleasure and a joy. It's been uh, probably a couple of years uh, since I preached in this pulpit, though I have been preaching from time to time in other pulpits. Um, the one that always amuses me is when I think of the little church in Tennessee, uh, Yellow Creek Baptist Church out in the middle of somebody's cornfield, and, it, and it's been there since the Revolutionary War, So, it, but it's the farmers, and they all come from all over, from next door and this side of the church, that side of the church, down the road, and they all meet and have a great time. But um, it was really interesting preaching uh, those people. My uh, second the oldest daughter happens to live down in that area, and that's where they attend. Um, but it's good to be here this morning. And it's good to focus in today on what's happening chronologically uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Palm Sunday. Uh, Pastor Ron read to us the uh, what we celebrated as Palm Sunday where they were crying Hosanna and throwing the palm branches out in front of our Messiah as he made the triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem. We're going to be focusing uh, this morning on just a little bit after that because right after uh, the triumphal entry, as you probably uh, well know, was the Last Supper that the Lord had with his disciples. And then uh, after the Last Supper, uh, or the end of it, we have uh, Judas Iscariot. We have him, uh, Satan entering him. Jesus telling him, what do do us do quickly. I'm sure nobody quite got that one, and maybe they thought about it later. And, uh, and then we have this little time in between before uh, they take him away to the cross where Jesus is zeroing in on his disciples. He's preparing them. And we plug into our text today in John chapter 14 with exactly that. Let's, let's pray before we go there. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that we can anchor our souls upon it. I thank you that you love us and you love every person who walked in these doors today with a deep love and you know everything about us. You know our uprisings, our downsittings. You even know how many hairs are on our head. And God, I pray that every person who walked into this building this day would walk out of this place having heard from you, from your word, from your Holy Spirit. You minister and do minister to each of us well and may we go from this place better for it because of you and because of your word. We commit this service to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in John chapter 14 where Jesus is again instructing his disciples. What would you tell others if you knew that you only had a few days to live, maybe uh, less than a week? What would you tell your friends? What would you tell your family? What would you tell your spouse? What would you be doing? What would be foremost on your agenda? Would you be thinking, hmm, I better make it to Sullivan's one more time have another round on that big steak over there, or I better make it to Simon and Seaford, so maybe I better go one more fishing trip. Oh, I got somebody's attention. Yes, it's that time of year. It's beautiful. Would we be prone to be thinking on those terms, or would we be thinking about who can I talk to, and who can I minister to, and who can I prepare to be a better person after I leave this place? 
Where, where would our hearts be? Where would they go? Well, here we have Jesus knowing full well what was coming and told Judas to get with the program. And he knew it was coming. And he, so he's got these last few words, this short time with the disciples. And he's telling them what he really knows they need to know before he leaves the earth. Particularly important, I think, the words that we're going to read today don't have time to read a couple of chapters, but I want to focus in primarily on what he first says in the verse, first um, six verses, and then I want to skip down after that to verse 26 and 27. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If that were not true, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know, and Thomas, the doubter, he kind of comes in there and says, uh, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? What are you talking about? And Jesus said, this is what I'm talking about. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. We've heard those words before, I am, uh, back with Moses in the book of Exodus when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me to you? And he said, I am that I am hath sent me. And Jesus says, I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. And don't ever forget, as a Christian, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he paid the way. Christianity is unique. It all zeroes in on one person, and we're looking at the words of this one person. But I want you to skip down now and look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you. Peace is a gift. It's a gift from God. Let not your heart be troubled. There it is. And again, just like he said in the first verse, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Do you have control of your heart today? Are you letting your heart be troubled? Do you let your heart wander? Do you let your mind wander? Do you allow things in your mind that you really know shouldn't be there? Things that are really displeasing to the Lord? Is that happening? I looked that word up. Troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He says it twice. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be anxious. Don't let it be disturbed. Don't let it be discouraged. Don't let it become agitated. Don't let it become frustrated. Control your heart. Proverbs says, He that hath no rule over spirits like a city, it's broken down and without walls. Keep rule of your heart. Keep rule of your mind. You say, but, 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 but I can't. Don't tell yourself that because it's not true. You have the ability. Every person in this room has the ability to control their thoughts. All of us do. God never asks us to do anything he doesn't also empower us to do. And in fact, if you'll think back 
In Genesis chapter 3, it didn't take man very long to sin, did it? But Genesis chapter 3, three chapters in, we have the serpent coming to Eve, and the serpent is talking to Eve and playing games with her mind. And he, and he says, yeah, have God said you shall not eat of every fruit of the, uh, tree of the fruit of the garden? Uh, has he said that? Well, God's holding something out on you. He knows that the day that you eat thereof, you'll be wise as God's, knowing good and evil. And the woman, when she saw that the food was, or that the fruit was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and desired to make one wise, what, what, what's happening there? Think about that. That's all right here. All those thoughts right there. She could have arrested him. She could have stopped. She could have said, no, God would never withhold something good from me. She could have ended it. My friend, this was before the fall. This is before the curse. Where's, we still sit in the same vernacular. We still war against the enemy who wants to implant thoughts into our minds, and we've got to stop him. We have to. It's our duty as a Christian. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be anxious. Don't let your heart become disturbed. Every person I know has thoughts that come in that I would characterize as evil, not honoring to the Lord. Thoughts of doubt. Uh, a few months ago, I was fighting thoughts of doubt. Trying to get a pre-calculation for tax day, which, by the way, is tomorrow. They extended it. They, they gave us some extra time. It's normally the 15th. It is tomorrow. And I started going, God, how am I going to come up with that? My dear wife says, remember the fish? Remember the coin? And Jesus said, their tax isn't right. But go to the fish and we'll pay it anyway. Okay, I'll claim that. And I kind of just got rid of about three months worth of horrible, torturous thoughts about whether or not I'd be able to come up with my tax money by the 18th or not. Praise God for godly wife. And she's getting smarter every day. Maybe I'm getting dumber every day. I don't know. But there's something going on there, and I, I feel so blessed. We're not to allow thoughts of God. We're not to allow thoughts of depression. I, I know one counselor, he says, it's not depression, it's depressing. It's a process. It's allowing negative thoughts to overcome your mind. When the first thought comes, we're just rejected and say, no, no, I'm not going there. It's thoughts of anger, thoughts of bitterness. The first one comes in, how dare they do that? Well, I talked about my, I'll talk about my wife again. I've got to be careful when I do this. We drive around. We love driving around together. There's times when my foot is a little heavy on the pedal. And I'll hear her say, honey, could you slow down? Now, i got a choice. How dare she insult my intelligence and ability to control this vehicle, okay? Or I can go, she didn't really attack me. She's just a little bit nervous about me. I've put him in the ditch before. Uh, I think I love her enough. I'm going to just let up and be quiet. But i got a choice, you see. 
Because I could sit there and fume for the next 20 minutes. And then the next conversation, something else comes up and I get one back on her. You see? I could do that. I have the choice. But we've got to control. We've got to be in control of our minds. Jesus was preparing to exit the scene. And he knew that the disciples needed to exercise control of their heart, control of their mind. You ever thought of anxiety? Now, wait a minute, Tim. I can't control those. Yes, you can. God, God wouldn't say be anxious for nothing if you didn't have the power to avoid an anxious thought. But, Tim, I, I, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I can't put... I mean, look at the price of groceries. How am I going to make it? You ever thought of fear? Get rid of it. Second Timothy tells us, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, wait a minute. If it's not from God, we shouldn't be thinking about it now, should we? Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with thee. Don't fear. It's a command. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't let yourself go there. Don't allow it. I was uh, blessed to be appointed on the Alaska Mental Health Board here a few years ago. And i got to confess I had missed various meetings. They meet uh, once a quarter. you got to be out of town about three days to do that. But I've gone the best that I could. And, you know, this whole issue of mental health is an interesting one. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if I'll ever get it figured completely out. But i got to say this. There's a, a gal on the, uh, on the board that I got chatting with. Older lady. She told me, she said, Tim, several years ago, I was a mental health patient. She said, things were so bad with me, they diagnosed me with schizophrenia. You know, the kind where you got split personalities and you're talking to this voice here and talking like this person there. She said, I had severe uh, forms of bipolar. She said, I was a wreck. I was an emotional basket case. She said her mental health provider told her, there is no known cure for this. Take these pills here. They'll help you. And when they quit working, we'll get you some different kind. And uh, sorry to tell you, but you're going to struggle with this for the rest of your life. Lady walked out of the office. She went home. And she told herself, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. No, this is not for me. No way. I'm not going to be this way the rest of my life. She got her Bible out, and she started reading verses. And over the next year and a half, two years, she zeroed in on the Word of God. She got herself a handful of verses that help her through this valley and this storm. i got to tell you this day, she does not have a mental health issue. And she's got a powerful testimony of what God can do. But let me tell you something. We've got to do our part. 
let not your heart be troubled. Jesus wasn't putting wood, uh, word filler on the page. He was dead serious when he's talking to his disciples. He said, don't let it happen. Don't let your mind go there. Don't be discouraged. Don't, be, don't let it happen. Be strong. When Joshua was about to take over from uh, Moses' leadership, in Joshua chapter 1, in verse uh, 8 and 9, we see the same thing. Don't be discouraged. Be strong. Be of a good courage. These are commands. We're supposed to be in control of our mind. We're to, we're to set our face like a flint. We're, we are not to allow the wrong thoughts in. We've got to reject them. We've got to say no. We've got to stop feeding them. What happens if you feed a wrong thought? Oh, you already know because you've done it, right? Yeah, I know. Pretty soon it just kind of takes you over. And maybe some other, might bring some other people down with you. It's extremely dangerous. And it's certainly not the will of God. God says, let not your heart be troubled. He emphasizes it again in verse 27. And then adds on, neither let it be afraid. Don't go there. That's not all that he says. God just doesn't want an absent mind. God doesn't want a bunch of robots walking around with no thoughts. Well, if you're going to get rid of all these thoughts, what am I going to think about? Well, God says what to think about. Whatever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, what do you think about? But he also zeroes in on it here in the text in verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. You see, you get rid of the wrong thoughts and you replace them with God's thoughts. You replace them with God's word. You replace them with belief, with faith, words of confidence, words of hope that come from the Lord. You believe in God. Now, I want you to turn and think about it. I want you to believe in me in the same way. I am your Messiah. I am your Redeemer. And they will find out not very many days after, the whole purpose of the cross and a whole new life, and a whole new life experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, then being their Savior because he died for each of them, each of the disciples, just as he died for you and me. Do you notice something? All of this is kind of in the command form. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Another command, believe in me. Believe. Choose to. Believe is a choice. Hmm. I thought about that way, did you? Maybe you have. We choose to believe. We choose to believe. I was talking to one fellow one time, and he said, Tim, I just wish that I had the faith to believe what you believe. I like what I see. I, I, I like how you are. I like your Christianity. I like all this stuff. I like how you do your family. I like how you're plugged into church. I like all of this. But I can't believe. And I said, you're wrong. You can believe. And you can choose to believe today. It's whether you want to believe. It's really about whether you want to believe or not. That's not all of it. 
Jesus said, don't, don't let your heart go to the wrong place. Believe. He also says, you're going to need some help along the way. Because you're weak. You're human. You don't have a glorified body yet. You're going to find yourself needing some help. And that's why God gives us a helper. And you find that in verse 26, the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who's called alongside of you, he'll come. It's the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. And he will teach you all things. He'll bring all things into remembrance, what I have said unto you. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Give unto you. But don't let your heart be troubling. Don't let it be afraid. I'm going to give you some help. That's what Jesus said. Are you availing yourself of the help that he gives? What are you really relying on to get you through the day? Are you nervous if you don't know what's, what's coming the next day for sure? That meeting with the boss? Wrestle all night? Oh, man. Well, which is it? Is it a promotion or is he going to get on me because I really messed up a few weeks ago? What is it? How do I speak? What do I say? God gives us help. He gives us a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're to rely on it. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, not on our own strength. Are you taking every thought captive? Are you believing? Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? One of my favorite verses is down in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's turn there for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of our flesh. It's not up to us. It's not of the flesh. No, our weapons are mighty. They're strong. They're powerful. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Key verse, five. Casting down. Here's our weapons, and here's what our weapons do. Casting down imaginations. Got those thoughts coming in? Cast them down. The word actually means to demolish. It's like a, a demolition. It's like taking an excavator to a building when it's time to bring it down and, and, and it munches them up to nothing. You ever seen that happen? They, the the jaws on they just take a building and pretty soon just a big heap pile of rubbish. And that's what you want to do with those slots. Make them a rubbish pile. Get rid of them. Cast them down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is the cause and effect sequences that God 
has ordained for this world. And the more we learn about the cause and effect sequence that God has in his kingdom and his plan, the wiser we become. But if the thought goes against God's plan and his activity, then we're to get rid of it. We're to cast it down, demolish it, and make it go away. And bringing every thought, all of them, don't let one of them go, all of them, every thought, into the obedience of Christ. Nobody has been more obedient than Christ. He was obedient even to the death of the cross. Even to giving up every single thing he had, every ounce of blood, every hope of this human life prevailing and going on. All at the same time, he could have called 10,000 angels or he could have called one angel as he does at the end of time. And he could have stopped every one of those scorning mouths. He could have taught them all a huge lesson. Do you ever want to just teach somebody a good lesson sometime? I mean, you wouldn't believe how many people come to me and say, Tim, I want to get him back. I want to get him back. How can we use the law to do that? And I said, you're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. And as he hung on the cross... Not only, not only was he not vengeful, it, well, he wasn't even thinking, well, you guys are all going to be in hell, bye-bye. No. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. Forgive them. Overlook it. Keep overlooking it. Forgive them. They don't understand what's going on. They only can see that far in front of their face. They don't understand the dynamic. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. All of them, bar none. I'll never forget the time that um, when I was pastoring, this probably happened 15 years ago, and I went to a, a pastor's conference. It was pastors only, and the place was jam-packed. And Pastor, pastor Jeff's been going to these once a year, uh, these pastor's conferences. Great. He comes back just all bubbly, and that's what I used to do. I'd, I'd, I'd just eat it up. It was fun. Well, in this particular trip, there were about know, maybe eight, ten pastors from North Pole, Fairbanks area. We, we ended up on the same plane flight because it was a direct flight right where we were going. And, uh, oh, the conference was just, it was just great. I mean, we were all on spiritual hive, you know. It was great. Well, our plane coming back got delayed. So a bunch of us got around and said, well, what should we do? Well, let's go to Denny's. So we went to Denny's, found a couple tables, and we are sitting there and chowing down and talking about, well, what's going to happen different when we get back to hometown and home base? What's it going to look like? What's going to change? What's going to happen? And and we started talking about this verse here in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, and we also started talking about the one, I believe it's in Ephesians uh, 6, where it says, we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and high places. Wherefore, put on yourself the whole armor of God that you can be able to stand. Okay? And we were, we were talking about the real battle out there between the churches was an issue of whether Satan was going to run and rule men's and ladies' and boys and girls lied, or whether he wasn't, and there was really a lot of spiritual dynamic going on. So we were, we were kind of going down that, that road and talking about it and how we might be able to pray against it and things, and in comes this guy from nowhere. 
he walks over. He, first he comes in, I saw him, because I was face, my back was to the wall. And I saw him walking into the restaurant, and he's kind of looking around, and he sees our group over there, and he just walks right over to our table. And then he started getting fidgety and kind of humming around. He said, I feel really funny. But, I, but I, I think I'm supposed to share a verse with you guys. You want to hear it? And he said, well, yeah, what, sure. And he shared these verses here, uh, the one in, in Ephesians, and I think he uh, may have mentioned this one as well in uh, 2 Corinthians. And uh, I go, oh, well, hey, we were just talking about that. Who are you? He said, well, I, you know, I really, I couldn't get away from this. God just told me to come in here and talk to you guys. And I said, well, how did you like the conference? And, and uh, he goes, what conference? What are you talking about? I said, the pastor's conference. Didn't you go? No, no. I said, well, who are you? He said, well, I just, I, I, I live here. Uh, and I was just coming into Denny's and I just couldn't get rid of this. And I, I come over and talk to this, you know, and I, and, and after he left, I'm, I'm going, okay. I don't know if this guy was an angel. I don't know if somebody that God just made right there and created. And, and, and I don't know. But one thing I do know, we got to pay attention to the verses, to the Word of God. And from that day uh, forward, we, we, had a, uh, we had a prayer group in the area. We had several pastors. We'd, we'd get up and meet. We'd do crazy stuff. We'd go meet at 5 a.m. sometimes on Sunday morning before we preach and, and, and pray and pray for a city. We'd go to places like public schools during the week and just pull up and just start praying for the teachers and the people. And the, we'd go up to City Hall and do that. And we, it, 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 was, it was really a neat thing. But how all of that played out. But, but what I'm getting at is that left an impression on me. The importance of casting down every thought, every imagination, everything that exalts itself against the Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Why? Because we're not going to be effective if we don't. Are we effectively screening out the thoughts? Are we fully believing that God's in control? By the way, if, you, if, if, you, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't think that you can control and weed out those thoughts, you've got a belief problem. And not, and not only does Satan have entrance into your mind to be able to plant thoughts in there, he's got you convinced, maybe, that you can't do anything about it. Boy, does he like that. Oh, oh he just loves that. You have power over your thought life. I don't care what your past is like. I don't care how many times you've been bitter and angry and gotten out of shape. I don't care how many times you've gotten into lust. I don't care how many times you've been bitter. I, I, I don't care what it is, where you've let the enemy in. He has no business being in the mind of a believer. And it's up to you and I to say, no, I'm not going there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he said, I am the way, he's talking about the manner of life, our habit, what we do. I am your way. I am your truth. And I am the life. I am your energy. I am your vitality. Zoe. 
Does that mean what? I can remember um, some years ago. I guess it's been 12 years ago now. 11 years ago. I was pastoring. I pastored for, I don't know, 13, 14 years. I was mayor of the little town of North Pole. Oh, man, my goodness. Politics, look out. I had no idea what I was getting into. But God told me to do it. I was convinced, and I did it. And uh, Paul and I thought we'd be pastoring that little church forever and ever. They had no intention of ever going anywhere. It just growing the church, growing the people. And I can remember both of us getting hit with over and over again to go to a Christian law school. Go to law school. Go to law school. I never had a desire to be a lawyer. I didn't even know any lawyers. But it kept coming and kept coming. It was about a year that God kept working us over, working us over, working us over. I shared it with, with the, the church leadership. I said, pray about this. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would God ever do that? I was about 42, 43 years old at the time. I was more than happy. Just write it out, man. Get your career. Your career's down. I had five kids. What do you do with five kids when you're going to law school? How do you feed five kids? And all my kids, you know, I've seen kids with wimpy appetites. That's not my kids. Mm -mm. I had no idea. But over the course of about a year, my wife and I became thoroughly convinced that that's what God had for us. We sold everything. I'll never forget the garage sale. My wife is super at this stuff. She just... We had a huge house full of stuff. I can remember watching stuff go. I don't know why so many people just wanted to come to our garage sale. I don't know why, but man, they were hauling it off. Trailer load, pickup load. I'll come back and get that later. You know, it's like everything all just kind of sold. I think there was one desk left at the end of the day, and we got a phone call on that within a couple of days, and everything was gone. Sold the house. Tried to sell it the year before, it wouldn't sell but it sold that time. And we found ourselves getting on a big airplane. The whole church came out. They saw us off. There was crying and weeping and all that stuff going on. Yes, there was. And we got on that plane. We had a couple suitcases each. We got on the plane and headed east. New life. Boy, I tell you what, I was having a struggle with thoughts of anxiety. I got to admit, I really was. I didn't know what... I didn't know how I was going to provide for this family. I can remember at the airport. Some of you have good-sized families. You know what you know what it's like to travel with kids. You know, and I, I'm at the airport one time. I got all these suitcases, and, and they said, "Well, we're going to have to charge because I didn't have the money." So I'd take out the uh, the plastic tape, and I'd I'd bundle two or three suitcases together. You know, put it all together and throw it in there, and people kind of looking at. Me. Okay, all right. Well, we got to travel with all these. Okay. Um, but that's how we did things in those days. I can remember landing 
in Richmond, Virginia, and then renting a van and going on down to Virginia Beach to attend uh, Regent University without aiming. I can remember looking around for a house to rent, something, had trouble finding anything. It was during the time when the the housing market was just going ballistic. People were waiting in a row. People were making offers on houses, thousands of dollars more than what they were listed for. The rent market was the same way. Finally, we scraped together enough money and were able to, to rent a house. I can remember doing my, my law school studies, sitting on my little plastic file box that I drug along with me, and that was my chair. <laughs> Man, and I, you talk about one worried guy. I mean, the, 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 these young minds are sharp. I mean, they're just like right there. Man, I, I, I had to put two hours in for every one hour everybody else did. But you know what? God took care of us. All my, all my worries, all my anxiety, it was for nothing. You can tell I didn't miss very many meals. Well, it's been a while, but I mean, he took care of it. He's still taking care of us. He takes care of us every single day. I see his hand at work. It's alive. He's alive. Sometimes we have to walk out on the skinny limbs in our belief. And sometimes God requires us to do that. I can remember reading the story of Abraham during those days. Where, because Abraham chose to obey, God said, in blessing, I will bless you. And in keeping, I will keep you. And I remember claiming that verse for our family. But God is there. We choose to believe. And then we choose to rely on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come through. The Holy Spirit absolutely amazes me. I told you, I never, I never really wanted to be an attorney. It happened. I can remember coming back. God, God made it clear we're supposed to be in Anchorage, and we come back to Anchorage. And you know how Anchorage is to Fairbanks people? Big city. Big city. Yeah, well, we're in the big city, and we're loving it. Um, but I can remember uh, coming back here, and... Uh, I didn't think I was going to be an attorney. My wife had this stuff all figured out. She was, she was already reading uh, how to build and start a law practice books, right? And, and, and man, I'll tell you what. I don't like conflict. And now I'm a hired dog, a hired bulldog. You know how some people look at their attorney as. And I can remember coming back here, and I, can, I remember getting a call. A friend of mine, he was still back at uh, Regent University finishing up some classes. And he said, hey, Tim, there's a job fair going on in Anchorage. I thought I'd tell you about it. I said, oh, I don't want to be an attorney. And then you know, I hear my wife goes, well, maybe you ought to think about it. Maybe that's not a coincidence he gave you that call. Oh, okay. So, I, you know, I, I whipped together this resume, and I, I put in there all this church stuff, you know, all the way back from what I was doing, singles groups and this and that and the other. I thought, nobody's going to hire me. going to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to think I'm one of those religious cuckoos. And, and sure enough, I made my rounds around the table, just trying to be obedient, that's all. 
you know, I'd, I'd go there and hand him my resume. How are you? You know, and 14 years pastor of the church. I don't think this is going to work. Oh, okay. <laughs> Next one, you know, get these weird looking smiles and smirks and all this stuff going on. And I walk up to this one table. This guy sitting there and he goes, I think this might be what we're looking for. I'm going to have my partner talk to you. How about next Tuesday? Ooh, okay. And he ended up getting hired. And two, three years of that, and then God had us start our own law practice. And you know what? I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of liking it. You know what I like? I like talking with people. I like squaring with people. I like giving them the honest truth. I like analyzing their case and their situation, and I like helping them to make a very, some very, very wise choices in their life. I really like it when I get Christian clients who kind of know my background, and they're asking me, well, how does God fit into this? Well, I'll tell you how God fits what I see. But it's been neat. I find myself day after day with the Holy Spirit in the room t- giving me words to tell other people that I never dreamt of. Words that I don't, I don't know. I just know that he's helping me. Helping me to do something that I never really wanted to do because I chose to believe and I chose to follow. And I chose to get rid of those anxious, unbelieving thoughts. It all starts right here. What's going on in the mind? Are we saying no to the enemy? Are we saying no to wrong thoughts? Or are we feeding them and letting them take over? And watch Satan smile in the background as he keeps one more of God's saints in perfect misery You don't have to live that way, my friend. You don't have to live that way. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how clear you are in your word about our task. Keeping our minds with truth. Filling them with thoughts of belief and faith. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the reliance that we can have on him. Thank you for his work and his ministry in our lives. Thank you for what your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, did for us. How undeserving could we be? Thank you for this Easter season. And I pray that we may remember your words, words of Christ to the disciples. May we be on our toes. May we be sober. May we be vigilant, understanding that our adversary is out there to try to bring us down. God, would you get glory? And would you remind us of those words? You said that's the ministry of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd remind us often. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as Paul said in 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, he said, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you for coming. You're dismissed.